Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. With your host, Linnea Hubbard. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. I'm Robert Gaudet, Editor-in-Chief at Malcontent News and WBHG News. Today is Sunday, June 4th, 2023. Linnea Hubbard is on an exotic assignment, taking her child to a birthday party and getting some well-deserved R&R. Editor's note, I apologize in advance for any mispronunciations, errors, or production snafus. Thank you in advance for your understanding. I'd also be remiss if I didn't thank our patrons who make our work possible, and humbly ask those who currently don't support us to do so on Patreon. No U.S. or Canadian dollar, U.K. pound sterling, or E.U. euro donation is too small. Your financial contributions enable us to continue our reporting, bringing vital information about the war of Russian aggression in Ukraine to our audiences. We do not accept Russian or Belarusian rubles, Iranian reals, or North Korean won. Thank you. There has been so much information in the situation reports over the last few days, we've ended up with an extra episode. This is that episode. A reminder that this podcast contains frank descriptions of war and its effects and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Let's start with developments theater-wide and outside Ukraine. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky held a stavka with a public readout. Quote, an obvious harsh reaction to the death of people in Kyiv due to a closed shelter. There is a mandate to inspect protective structures in Kyiv and throughout the country. Strategic Initiatives Minister Kamushino and Interior Minister Klimenko are responsible. Unfortunately, even today, after everything, the people of Kyiv again and again publish information about the unavailability of shelters. Not just about closed shelters, but about closed entrances to shelters, and about the absence of shelters in some parts of the city. This level of negligence in the city cannot be covered with any excuses. End quote. Kyiv Mayor Vitaly Klitschko reported that since February 24, 2022, 1.2 billion hryvnias were allocated from the Kyiv budget to improve shelters in the capital, and that, quote, to date, the implementation and use of funds are extremely unsatisfactory, end quote. Klitschko has initiated the termination of Desnyanskia District RDA Dmitry Ratnikov due to the deaths of civilians locked out of a bomb shelter. The fallout of three civilian deaths in Kyiv on June 1st has expanded across Ukraine, with President Zelensky mandating Minister of Internal Affairs Ihor Klimenko check on the status of all bomb shelters across Ukraine within the next 10 days. The Washington Post alleged that Ukrainian explosive ordnance disposal experts and combat engineers had been engaged in covert operations to demine approaches to Russian defenses as part of ongoing shaping operations. We cannot validate the claims of the newspaper. During his trip to Finland, United States Secretary of State Antony Blinken mocked the Russian military and Ministry of Defense, saying, quote, The Kremlin often claimed that they had the second strongest army in the world and many people believed it. Today, many consider the Russian army the second strongest in Ukraine. Their equipment, technology, leadership, tools, strategy, tactics, and morale, a case study in failure. 
Russia is estimated to have suffered 100,000 casualties in the last six months alone, as Putin sends wave after wave of Russians into a meat grinder of his own making. End quote. Blinken also dismissed calls for a frozen conflict by leaders such as Hungarian President Viktor Orban, saying, quote, A ceasefire that simply freezes the current situation in place and allows Putin to consolidate control over the occupied territory and then rearm and attack again. This is not a lasting peace. This is a Potemkin peace. End quote. The deputy head of the Office of the President of Ukraine, Ihor Zolkva, said that following President Zelensky's attendance of the European Political Community Summit in Moldova, the outlines of the fighter jet coalition have been determined and, quote, real steps have been taken, end quote, to accelerate the training of pilots and technicians for the fourth generation fighter jets, including, though not limited to, F-16s. The fighter coalition includes the United Kingdom, the Netherlands, Poland, Denmark, Sweden, Belgium, Portugal, and France. The Swiss parliament voted against the transfer of weapons to Ukraine. The National Council failed to pass a bill allowing third-party countries to transfer Swiss arms to Ukraine. Germany, Denmark, and Spain have already filed requests for the re-export of Swiss-made weapons and ammunition. A number of proposals that could solve the impasse while enabling Switzerland to maintain a sense of neutrality are still under consideration. One proposal would enable the indirect supply of military materials to Ukraine. A country could transfer Swiss military hardware or munitions they had purchased five or more years ago, but only to Western countries and with Swiss approval. In addition, the target country must not be at war unless it's defending itself, like Ukraine. Totally unrelated fun fact. The English translation of Dante's Inferno says, quote, The hottest places in hell are reserved for those who, in times of great moral crisis, maintain their neutrality, end quote. Anyway, speaking of the hottest places in hell, let's talk about Russian mobilization, military, and Mir. In Lysychansk, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, reported up to 80 additional personnel from PMC Storm Z deserted their combat positions. It was also claimed that 30 penal Wagnerite mercenaries deserted with their weapons in the Bakhmut operational area. We cannot independently verify either claim. Major Alexander Prokashchikov, deputy commander of the Storm Detachment, not to be confused with Storm Z, claimed that his life and that of other leaders of the unit were in danger after they refused to follow illegal and immoral orders issued by their commander, Roman Vinivitin. According to Prokashchikov, he was tasked with, quote, killing personnel, criminal work, and giving criminal orders. For about 40 minutes, the soldiers of the Storm Detachment claimed that they were tasked to assault Ukrainian positions without artillery support and came under intense drone and mortar fire. Even after they located the position of Ukrainian drone operators and artillery batteries, their requests for counter-battery support went unanswered. In the video, the unit claims they are in a, quote, safe place and will tell all the details to members of the Russian Ministry of Defense, or MOD, which they believe will ensure their safety. Russian state media agency TASS reported seven former convicts in a penal unit of the Russian military deserted with their weapons near Solidar. Three were arrested in Bryanka, in the so-called Luhansk People's Republic, or LNR, after being found drunk in a bar. Officials claim that the deserters killed one of their own when they decided they wanted to surrender and return to their unit. 
Russian mill blogger Maxine Kalashnikov questioned PMC Wagner leader Yevgeny Prigozhin's claim that 20,000 Wagnerites were killed in the siege of Bakhmut, and if that's even something to be proud of. Quote, Stupid meat grinders completely failed in the First World War. The current seas of blood for our troops are the fruit of the refusal of our authorities from the long-established scheme of modern wars. In modern wars, first of all, the enemy's air defense and air force are suppressed, and then airstrikes destroy the enemy's leadership, its military and state apparatuses, refineries and fuel depots, transport infrastructure, etc. Ours, he means Russia's military and PMC Wagner, on the other hand, engaged in a, quote, unconventional war orientation, which resulted in the grinding of PMC Wagner troops. Consider, who is thrashed more? Well, according to this criterion, the Germans, it turns out, won the Great Patriotic War with us. End quote. Tara Reid, who accused then-presidential candidate Joe Biden of a 1993 sexual assault during the 2020 presidential campaign, appeared on Sputnik International from Moscow with convicted Russian spy Maria Butina. Butina explained that Tara Reid connected with her so Reid could come to Moscow to promote her book. According to Butina, once she heard Reid's story in person, she, quote, knew she had to do something. We Russians don't leave people to their own devices, end quote. Butina rambled on, saying she knew Reed for a long time. She knew Reed came to Moscow with, quote, nothing. That when Reed came to Moscow, she had no intention of staying. That Butina would introduce a bill in the Duma. And that Butina would ask Vladimir Putin to fast-track Russian citizenship for Reed. Reed opened the four-hour show by saying she reached out to, quote, AOC, Dianne Feinstein, Bernie Sanders, and Nancy Pelosi, who were in California, my representatives, end quote. She said she kept pushing for Republicans to investigate Joe Biden and was heartened that representatives Matt Gates of Florida and Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia were going to investigate. Reid said she's tired of, quote, baseless accusations of being a Russian agent. She then announced she had defected to the Russian Federation. Reid said, quote, as I move forward, I hope to find safety here. I appreciate my friends in Moscow, Russia, that have opened their arms to me and given me that safety, including Maria Butina. End quote. The former U.S. Senate staffer added she hopes to obtain Russian citizenship from Russian President Vladimir Putin and does not plan to renounce her U.S. citizenship. Okay. AOC is the moniker for Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who is a member of the U.S. House of Representatives, the lower chamber of Congress. Her congressional district includes the Bronx and parts of Queens in New York City, state of New York. Bernie Sanders is a member of the Senate, the upper chamber of Congress. Sanders represents Vermont, the smallest state in the country by population. Unless Tara Reid chose to move to San Francisco, Nancy Pelosi, former Speaker of the House, is most certainly not her representative in Congress. Reid's story doesn't pass the most basic of sniff tests. Another totally unrelated fun fact, the A in Tara is pronounced the same as FARA, the acronym for the U.S. Foreign Agent Registration Act. The act prohibits influencing U.S. policy on behalf of a foreign principal without registering with the Department of Justice or DOJ. Violation of the act is a felony punishable by up to five years in prison. The DOJ drastically expanded its enforcement of the act in 2019. Russia has announced an export ban on certain types of small arms ammunition, 
ranging from 5.45 by 39 millimeter to 12.7 by 108 millimeter rounds, indicating a production crunch and overconsumption issue. The ban is effective through December 31st, 2023, and is total, except for the MOD's internal needs and, quote, special use. The Russian State Duma has renewed the effort that would enable the recruitment of individuals with criminal records into the Russian Armed Forces, where they are currently not allowed. They can only serve in PMCs as mercenaries or on contract as volunteers. Former convicts and other convicted citizens will be exempted from punishment, or their criminal record could be expunged after completing their service. The draft law proposes that citizens deemed partially eligible due to health conditions may be recruited to serve under a contract for the duration of mobilization or hostilities. In May, a new politician appeared in Russia in a monthly survey of Russians asking which politician they trust the most. Levada conducts a monthly survey where people name the person they trust the most, instead of picking from a prepared list. The top four have consistently been President Putin, Prime Minister Mikhail Mishustin, the Minister of Foreign Affairs, Sergei Lavrov, and the Minister of Defense, Sergei Shoigu. A new name emerged for the first time in the top ten, rising to fifth place, Yevgeny Prigozhin. For a guy who claims he has no political ambitions, Prigozhin behaves like a man considering running for office. In two days at the end of May, Prigozhin gave three press conferences in Yekaterinburg, Vladivostok, and Novosibirsk, with a fourth scheduled in Nizhny Novgorod. According to exiled opposition publication Medusa, Prigozhin shares a consistent message at these meetings, closely resembling political town hall meetings in the United States. The war will be long, and Russia urgently needs to announce general mobilization, bring back the death penalty, and introduce a managed economy. Despite the tour in what appears to be a platform, Prigozhin told Russian state media reporters, quote, You will not see the Wagner Party in the state Duma or the presidential candidate Prigozhin. In any case, today, all the tasks are completely different, end quote. Like Western politicians, Prigozhin has written his own book. The Moscow Times published a story on June 1, 2023, showcasing Prigozhin's literary and illustrative talents. He published a 90-page children's book. Yes, you heard that correctly. A children's book. That's 90, nine zero pages. It's not young adult literature, given the many illustrations and engravings attributed to Prigozhin himself. It's probably targeting the coveted demographic of Russians aged between three and five years old. The book, entitled Indraguzik, was published in 2004, and it's about the eponymous tiny person living in a world of big people who falls from a theater chandelier and tries to make his way back to the chandelier. Along the way, Indraguzik meets some sort of king and then magically enlarges him too much, like a reverse Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. The king says, quote, How can I rule my people if they are so small? I could destroy them by mistake. Please make me the same king I was. Only a small king can rule the Indraguziks. End quote. The book includes a picture of a smiling Prigozhin with his wife and two children, whom he supposedly authored the book with. His son is now a mercenary with PMC Wagner, and his daughter owns a luxury hotel in St. Petersburg. It's really quite touching. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers, and analysts is funded by readers, listeners, and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, 
please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at News. Let's continue with developments in Russia. In Kursk and Rostov-on-Don, the Russian MOD is constructing large-scale facilities for sorting, analyzing, and storing the corpses of personnel killed in action. Each facility is more than 4,000 square meters and includes forensics, refrigeration capacity for up to 1,000 bodies, warehouses with coffins and funeral supplies, and a mourning area. Flight Radar 24 tracked an Iranian IL-76 TD cargo plane, also called the C-5 ski by United States Air Force pilots, landing at the Vonokovo Airport in Moscow from Tehran. This is the second flight since May 29th. The aircraft is likely transporting military cargo. In Berdyansk, insurgents claimed another 39 penal mercenaries deserted after killing their commanding officer. The group reportedly took their weapons, with officials claiming 11 have been arrested. We cannot independently confirm the claim. In Bielgorod, local residents reported that the military registration and enlistment office summoned all students who were graduating from primary school for medical examinations on May 31st. Parents weren't upset with the idea that their new graduate could be mobilized into the Russian military, but the fact that physicals were scheduled while students were preparing for the Unified States examination, and that it was, quote, another psychological burden and stress before the exam, end quote. One parent quipped, quote, Is it really impossible to do without this category of students and give them the opportunity to pass the exam and the opportunity to enter a university? Or are our military commissariats just fulfilling their plans? End quote. So close to figuring it out. So close! Former Best Buddies Colonel General and aspiring dentist Ramzan Don Don Kadyrov and PMC Wagner leader Evgeny Prigozhin and their proxies engaged in a very public war of words, with the on-again, off-again admiration of the two groups appearing to have completely fractured. On May 31st, Prigozhin said that while Akhmat may have tactical success in the Donbass as the apparent replacement of PMC Wagner after its withdrawal from the front lines, they are incapable of capturing the entire region. Prigozhin also called into question the overall combat capabilities of Chechen Akhmat forces. Some assessment here. Kadyrov stated that Akhmat has about 7,000 troops in Ukraine, less than a third of their deployed peak in spring 2022. A force of 7,000 is completely incapable of capturing all of the Donbass. In a blow to Russia's self-sense of superiority, Anton Gorelkin, deputy chairman of the State Duma Committee on Information Policy, Information Technologies, and Communications, admitted that Russian YouTube knockoff RuTube is much like Facebook knockoff VK, not quite up to worldwide quality. Addressing calls to ban YouTube in Russia, he said, quote, YouTube is hostile, but there is no alternative yet, so it is impossible to block. End quote. Russian propagandists have accused Ukraine of harboring a new evil, combat locusts. In a video shared on Russian state media, they claim that combat locusts, developed in a Missouri biolab by Washington University, were brought to Rubizhne in Luhansk because it was an ideal location to breed and release the trained insects. We are completely serious. You can find the translated video in the June 2nd, 2023 Situation Report on Patreon. Mobilized servicemen from the 1,307th Regiment, based in Kantimanzi Autonomous Okrug, Russia, 
made an appeal video because they were being treated, quote, like cannon fodder, end quote, after a change of commander. They claimed that their new commander had lost his entire regiment in Kremena, and after four months in Ukraine, they were transferred out of the Russian Ministry of Defense. They have spent the last four months on the line of conflict without rotation, adequate rations, or potable water. Weapons meant for the unit were sold illegally by their commanding officer, and they had to build their own defense structures despite billions of rubles spent on the Wagner line in the fall while under intense Ukrainian artillery fire. Then, they were abandoned after being notified they would be transferred yet again to Russian Minister of Defense Sergei Shoigu's PMC Storm Z. They concluded that they weren't trying to riot, but wanted to be transferred back to the Russian MOD under their original commander. Residents of the so-called Donetsk People's Republic, or DNR, are complaining en masse that they are not being compensated for deaths and injuries caused by the war. DNR authorities admit they owe more than 38 billion rubles, equivalent to 467 million U.S. dollars, in compensation to families and soldiers of the remnants of the DNR First Army Corps. The Russian government has shown little concern for the welfare of DNR soldiers and their families, and the local government is incapable of raising funds to pay the owed compensation. All is going to plan. In War Crimes and Human Rights, the bodies of three people who were reported missing after the Russian airstrikes on a hospital in the city of Dnipro on May 26th have been found, according to Serhii Lysak, Dnipropetrovsk Oblast Administrative and Military Governor. Quote, We have the results of the examination of body parts found at the scene of the tragedy. Overall, the attack claimed the lives of four people. End quote. Lysak said that after examining the body fragments, the deceased were identified as a 56-year-old doctor, a 64-year-old employee of the hospital, and a 57-year-old employee at the veterinary clinic. The World Health Organization reported that since February 24, 2023, Russia has attacked more than 1,000 health care centers, killing 101 people and wounding, quote, many more. The report added that the volume of attacks on medical infrastructure has never been recorded in modern history. In Kherson, war crimes investigators exhumed the body of a man killed during the Russian occupation. According to the investigation, in the spring of 2022, Russian troops illegally detained a local resident in the city of Kherson. The man was placed in the basement of a building used for detention and torture, where he was tortured to death over two weeks. During the investigation, law enforcement officers established where he was buried and exhumed his remains. There were signs of numerous injuries, including broken ribs. In geopolitical and economic news, Ukrainian President Zelensky and Russian President Putin may visit Turkey, according to the Turkish publication Hurriyet. The two leaders would not visit at the same time and would not directly meet. Despite repeated claims to the contrary, in Belarus, self-proclaimed president and dark potato prince Alexander Lukashenko is quite healthy and alive. The UK-based long-form journalism outlet The Tortoise revealed on June 1, 2023, that Ukraine sanctioned Alexander Lebedev in October 2022 for his business dealings in Crimea, and that the UK government knew about it at the time. Ukraine accuses Lebedev, a quote-unquote former KGB agent, of actively destabilizing its sovereignty by investing in Crimea's tourism industry. 
The Biedev owns the UK newspapers The Evening Standard and The Independent. In 2018, former Prime Minister Boris Johnson elevated Alexander Lebedev's son, Evgeny Lebedev, to Lord of Hampton and Siberia, despite a security committee's recommendation against granting the peerage. Johnson's ties to the family go back to at least 2009. He made news in 2018 after going to see the Lebedevs in Italy right after Russian military intelligence agents with the GRU used chemical nerve agent Novichok to poison Russian defector Sergei Skripal and his daughter on UK soil. Johnson, then the foreign minister, didn't bring his security detail, and what was discussed with the Lebedevs in Italy still isn't publicly known. Rishi Sunak's government has sanctioned over 1,600 individuals, but both Lebedevs remain unaffected. The news puts the conservative government in an awkward position, since Canada and Ukraine have both sanctioned Lebedev Sr., Russian President Putin said that he personally decided to resume flights with Georgia, but the reaction of the republic's authorities surprised him, saying, quote, Our business and citizens want to come home, get in touch with nature, culture, Georgian cuisine, and so on. For me, the reaction that followed was a complete surprise, end quote. So, wait, you mean after invading their country, occupying 20% of Georgia, divided by two unrecognized self-declared republics, and 20 years of attempting to destabilize the Georgian government, you're shocked they don't want commercial flights from Russia? Yeah, no, I mean, that tracks. Brazilian President Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva responded to President Putin's invitation to visit Russia, and his reaction was no, but thank you. He told the increasingly isolated Russian leader, quote, I could not go to Russia at the moment, but reiterated Brazil's willingness, along with India, Indonesia, and China, to negotiate with both sides of the conflict in search of peace. End quote. In South Africa, the nation's foreign mission reiterated that they would have to arrest President Putin if he were to attend the August BRIC summit in person, saying that immunity from arrest warrants issued by the International Criminal Court, or ICC, cannot be offered. Germany announced the closure of four out of the five remaining Russian consulates. Russia can continue the work of only one embassy in Berlin and must choose which four consulates to close by the end of the year. Russia's five remaining consulates in Germany are located in Bonn, Frankfurt, Hamburg, Leipzig, and Munich. A spokesman for the German foreign ministry said the closures were in response to a Russian decision to reduce the number of employees at German diplomatic missions and other organizations such as the Goethe Institute. The Russian foreign ministry was notified on May 31st and will have to end operations by December 31st. Chinese government special envoy Li Hui said that the conflict in Ukraine had reached a dead end and... Quote, the parties will not be easy, end quote, to get together for productive talks. Quote, China believes that if we really want to end the war, save lives, and establish peace, it is important for us to stop sending weapons to the battlefield. Otherwise, tensions will only increase, end quote. The United Nations reported Russia had suspended the Black Sea Grain Initiative. The Russian Federation notified the Joint Coordinating Center in Istanbul to restrict the passage of ships to the port of Yuzhny in Odessa until the export of ammonia through Ukraine begins. Bloomberg estimated on June 1, 2023, that Russia is amassing the equivalent of $1 billion U.S. billion a month from India, but can't access the cash. It's tied up in Indian rupees in Indian banks. India is buying massive amounts of discounted Russian oil, but cannot pay in U.S. dollars, EU euros, or other freely traded currency due to sanctions. 
Further, the Indian government places restrictions on rupee outflows to avoid devaluing the currency. Every quarter, between 2 and 3 billion U.S. dollar equivalents accumulates as rupees in Indian banks. Bloomberg estimated that since the full-scale invasion began, 147 billion U.S. dollar equivalents have accumulated outside of Russia, but can't be accessed readily. OPEC Plus members met in Vienna today amid a plunge in oil prices. Saudi Arabia cut output by 500,000 barrels a day in April, only to see the price of Brent crude sink back below $70 per barrel. Saudi Arabia announced it would cut output by 1 million barrels a day in July 2023 and may sustain lower output after that. Russia, the second largest hydrocarbon producer in OPEC+, like all other OPEC plus nations except the UAE, agreed to keep production caps in place through the end of 2024. Although Russia's cap on paper is 500,000 barrels a day, there's widespread speculation that it's selling much more than that to China and India alone. Brent crude was trading on market close at $75 a barrel. And that's what we know. Don't worry, Linnea will be back soon with more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening. Combat locusts? What the? Oh my god.